Welcome once again to Jim and Pat's Glasgow West End Chat Everything about Glasgow West End and beyond My name's Jim Byrne and the Pat in the title is Pat Byrne This is episode 71 In this episode Pat chats to West Ender Mary Blackie Ferguson An exuberant and inspirational hypnotherapist Here's the thing Mary's latest therapy involves the installation of a virtual gastric balloon and Pat was the guinea pig and I can report that actually it seems to work I'm I'm assuming you can imagine what it's for a virtual gastric balloon I won't explain any further Anyway, enough of me let's have a wee listen to chat Let's have a wee listen to Pat chatting to Marie Blackie Ferguson. Hi Marie. Hello Pat. Marie Ferguson Blackie is down with me today. Um, Thanks for coming along. I know it wasn't that straightforward getting here, but nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Um, So, I've been seeing Marie recently. Going to see her four times for hypnotherapy. That's right. So we're kind of catching up on that, how I'm doing, and also Marie's going to chat a bit more about all the different things you do in relation to the hypnotherapy, maybe how you get into it. I'm going to try my best. <laughs> I know you'll be maybe wanting to ask me how I'm getting on. <laughs> and how are you getting on? Because I'm dying to know. I really am. Well, um, good, very good. I think maybe should um, let people know that I saw about probably about six weeks ago. That's right. On Facebook, you were looking for people to try something out. Mm-hmm. The um, virtual gastric balloon. It was the virtual gastric balloon, indeed. And that's to help with weight loss. That's right. So. Um, I'm trying to lose weight at the moment because I'm needing a new hip. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, this might be helpful. And I thought I was too old because it had been <laughs> six, 65. And age is just a number. So anyway, I got in touch with Marie and kindly she let me be one of her guinea pigs. So I really, I, I must say, I really enjoyed it, apart from anything else, because it was so relaxing. You know, getting put under, right. and um, also the I think the first time you said to me, "How long do you think you've been kind of like I don't know if the, is sleeping or whatever in the in the trance in the trance?" Yes, and in the trance. I thought it was about ten minutes, and it had been an hour or or more than that actually. Yes, so a lot longer, and I felt really good afterwards. So apart from um, the the weight loss, which I definitely, I, I mean, I, I, th- I would say I'm losing weight mm-hmm. without kind of really making a big effort, but I don't feel hungry. So so that's, um, that's definitely working. But other than that, I'm sleeping a lot better. And that, I think that was one of your objectives, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm, I really am sleeping much better mm-hmm. because often I would maybe only get like about four or five hours because I'd be waking so much 
I would go to sleep okay, but then I would waken up mm. and couldn't get back over again. And then you'd have an attack of the munchies as well. Yeah, I would, up and, right, I would get up in the I would get up and make tea and toast and have something to eat and read mm. my book. Mm-hmm. So I've not been doing that. I've not. I think maybe a couple of nights I've wakened and I've got up and sort of ported a wee bit and had mm. a drink. But I've not had anything to eat because I don't, I don't feel so hungry. So hungry and that's, and that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good to hear. It so, really is. Um, I th- I'm definitely losing weight. I can feel it kind of all around the Well, I can see it. Yes. Can you? I can that's see good. it. I can see it because I remember when you, you came to see me. You know, not mm. that you're, you're t- you know, to, to people well, who are listening, Pat's Pat's kind of a petite person, I would say. I'd say you're quite petite. <laughs> well, I'm I'm very overweight though. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I feel as if I'm on the I'm on the right track, mm-hmm. and um, I think it's I mean it's like a really good idea. Do you want to see, to see what it what it is? The, the yes, well. What uh, what you were on, what you came to see me about was the the virtual gastric balloon. Now I uh, carry out a procedure called the the virtual gastric band, and I'm a virtual gastric band practitioner. And uh, quite a, there are quite a few hypnotherapists who practice that procedure, but I decided that I'd start a new procedure called the using the balloon balloon therapy, <coughs> which convinces the client or the patient, whatever you but convinces people that they've had a gastric balloon procedure. And uh, uh, if you went for a gastric balloon uh, using uh, surgical methods, it's, a very, it's, a, it's, it's not even surgery, you swallow a little p- pill and the pill is attached to a tube. Once you've swallowed the pill, it goes right, it goes right down into your stomach and then the doctor, the nurse, expands the pill and it's, it's blown up into a balloon in your stomach. And the balloon takes up about, I'd say about two-thirds of the space in your stomach. And uh, so you feel so full that you just can't eat anything. And that's what a gastric balloon procedure is. There are lots of hospitals carrying out this procedure and the procedure costs thousands. I mean, it's a such a a simple procedure and it's so expensive so what I do is I convince people coming to see me that they've under they've undergone the procedure they've swallowed the pill they have the balloon in their stomach they're full and they can't eat but I also use a lot of other techniques um, to help them uh, with the the issues that might have been preventing them from losing weight in the first instance and as Pat said one of the things that was preventing her could have been not being able to sleep because if you're not getting uh, sufficient sleep that actually has an impact on your body, an impact on your hormones. Shift workers are a typical example. They have very erratic shift uh, sleep patterns so they can't lose the weight that they need to lose. But in addition to that, if you're not sleeping of course, you're getting up during the night, you might go and raid the fridge, you get an attack of the munchies, as I like to call it. So with hypnosis, Pat's been able to deal with all of that and she's more relaxed. So that's part of the process. Well, it's, it's, it definitely works because, mm. um, you know, at first you, you had said for three days just to have a liquid diet. That's right, yes. And I was kind of thinking, God, I'm going to be starving. <laughs> 
So I mainly managed just, you know, having drinks and soups. And, yes. But it wasn't any bother at all. You know, I, I was amazed. Well, the funny thing is, you know how you said that you were thinking? And that's a, that's, that's, that's a very, very, that's a crucial word. You were thinking, you thought, you said to yourself, how am I going to manage that? Mm-hmm. And you were thinking consciously, I will not be able to manage that. Mm-hmm. But there's a the little part of your brain, your unconscious, uh, your unconscious mind that can be retrained or reprogrammed. I hate using that word reprogrammed, but people can relate to that, the, that word. So although at a conscious level, you think normal people don't, don't enjoy a liquid diet, um, you can be hypnotised to think, mm-hmm. to convince yourself that you will enjoy a liquid diet. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to say that we're going to have, we're going to have you drinking nutritious um, uh, foods like, you know, soups and things and like that. For a few mm. days. And it's only for a few days. That's only, it's just to sort of kickstart the weight loss mm-hmm. um, and get you used to to um, eating less than you would have, not gorging mm-hmm. as you might have done before or mm-hmm. snacking continuously. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Well, fingers, fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Um, I've certainly, um, you know, I, I definitely feel the benefit you do, yeah. and you look as if you're feeling the benefit as well. You, you quite often find that people who have have had hypnotherapy um, come back slightly changed because it can mm-hmm. affect other aspects of your your life. You look happier mm-hmm. because you feel happier. Mm-hmm. You're smiling more. You're you suddenly get a you feel more energetic. Yeah, yeah. I think I I, I told you when I came that I'd had mm-hmm. hypnotherapy a long long time I ago remember, yes. in. Um, 1982 actually That's right. and that was because I I was sitting my finals at mm-hmm. university mm-hmm. and I was a nervous shake because my father was very very ill mm-hmm. for a long time and died in my junior honours year mm-hmm. so I had been off university for months and months so I felt very behind and I was very anxious and I wasn't very confident anyway mm-hmm. and it was actually my GP that suggested that um, I get hypnotherapy mm-hmm. and it was a Dr McEwen mm-hmm. in Clybank mm-hmm. Health mm-hmm. Centre mm-hmm. and I went there mm-hmm. and it was just, it was so helpful. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think it is pretty, mm-hmm. pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you must get people coming to you for all sorts of things. Oh gosh, this, I, I don't think there's, there's anything that I haven't seen. I mean, uh, just to mention a few, I mean, obviously, we, people are uh, more familiar with <clears throat> people going for hypnotherapy for weight loss, weight loss stops smoking. Um, but then, of course, and there's now anxiety, anxiety, uh, social, social anxiety, bullying, um, all of that. People are being, bully, bullying is a big thing at the moment. I'm seeing more and more children as well, and they're coming to see me because of social anxiety, and it's simply because... They're stressed at school, they're being bullied, they're stressed about their appearance and whatnot. So I'm seeing all sorts of weird and wonderful mm-hmm. um, new uh, conditions that weren't seen maybe five to ten years ago. There are also phobias. I've seen every, there's every sort of phobia that you could think of. The, common, the most common ones, of course, are fear of animals, spiders, dogs, cats, um, a fear of flying. But now you're, there, 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 there are new conditions uh, emerging um, there are conditions like fear of 
There's a gambling addiction, of course, mm -hmm. which has become more prevalent because of because people can do this online. Mm -hmm. So you often, you, you're also finding that there are people coming. I did have somebody coming to see me who had a who started to have a fear of going online because they're they're being bombarded. Mm -hmm. They're being bombarded. You you have to you have to go online. But I think they were suffering from internet overload. Right. That's the only way I can describe it internet mm -hmm. overload mm -hmm. and it could well be that um, people are at work now and then they're working at home or their bosses or line managers are contacting them at home you know you're 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 online 24 7 now mm -hmm. um it's not like before where you could shut down at five mm -hmm. o'clock yeah i don't um i don't get email or anything on mm -hmm. my phone mm -hmm. or use it for that mm -hmm. because i just like to feel that if i'm out I'm and away from the, from because I work on that's the, it. I work online a lot, and then I'm very tempted by Facebook and um, and Twitter. I mean, you can be on that, get caught up so easily. And, and caught up as uh, people describe it, they say they're just caught up in it mm -hmm. and they just can't stop. They feel as if they've got to reply to messages immediately. Mm -hmm. Whereas if everybody slowed down and hesitated mm -hmm. uh, before they replied to an email, a text. Uh, mm -hmm. Um, or went on Twitter, I think there would be less stress and anxiety. But try telling that to folk, and uh, well, you know what the answer is. <laughs> so, it's not easy. <laughs> so when did you start doing hypnotherapy? I I think I became interested in hypnotherapy. Oh gosh, it could have been about as long as ten, fifteen years ago. Because I was always interested in psychology, I was always interested in what made people tick, mm -hmm. um, what made them sit a certain way, behave a certain way. And, I'd, and uh, when I was doing my degree, I actually uh, studied uh, behavioural psychology anyway. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know how to take that one step forward until it must have been about, oh, about seven, eight years ago or so that I found out that there was this, this wonderful thing called hypnotherapy. Uh, and I decided that I would train to be a hypnotherapist. I'd initially planned to train to be a, a, a counsellor, but I didn't want people to just come in and talk about their problems. I wanted to, I wanted it to be solution solution focused, whereas people would come in through the door and they'd leave feeling better. And I didn't think counselling is fantastic; it's great, but I'm an imp I'm kind of impatient, and uh, I wanted people to go away with change. And uh, so when I um, I went with a good group, I went to, um, uh, I think the course was for probably about a year or more, but, um, and that was, I did that at Strathclyde University. Mm -hmm. It was actually through a private tuition company called Chrysalis, but they based their lectures out of Strathclyde University. So that would have been about, oh gosh, I believe I qualified, oh, that would have been more than half a dozen years ago or so. It seems like an age. Mm -hmm. um, but that the reason, one uh, there was another reason why I decided to do this. I'd been looking for a change of career anyway. Mm -hmm. And it was a friend that said to me, I think you'd make a good counsellor. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't, I don't think so. I talk too much. <laughs> so, but um, by when when you actually decide to... Uh, to um, to study or to work in the talking one of the talking therapy professions, you never stop learning. 
you qualify. I mean, I'm, I've got uh, certificates and whatnot, diplomas. I mean, Pat's seen them. Mm-hmm. I hide them away yeah, now. Yeah, I saw, I saw quite a lot. You <laughs> saw quite a lot. Lying carelessly. Carelessly. <laughs> yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. They're just strewn all over the place, you know. I, I actually put them in a drawer sometimes. You forget. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like you, Pat, you go and do your degrees and this, that, and then you forget, you know. You say, oh, that's right, I do have that. <laughs> but um, it's, uh, if it's something that you enjoy... Yeah, and there's all this, um, it seems there's all this new approaches and new things oh, to absolutely, try out. absolutely. You keep on learning. I mean, um, one thing that I'm looking at at the moment is, is uh, people's... People who come present, I use that word, that medical term, present, with a physical ailment, uh, how can hypnotherapy help deal with a physical ailment? Now, you can't use it to cure anything physical, but you can help it to alleviate pain, the way the person feels. And um, so I'm always reading up. I'm on The Lancet, I'm on various, I read up, you know, just to keep myself abreast with what's happening Mm -hmm. you have to keep on learning Mm -hmm. and it's something that uh, well I enjoy Mm -hmm. I enjoy doing that's more interesting too isn't it oh it's very interesting Mm -hmm. yeah no I mean I would I would really recommend it to anyone I I I really felt the benefit and I enjoyed it and you enjoyed it and you felt good the thing is as well I think with hypnotherapy it's like I'm sorry, this is me warming up to my to my subject now because I quite enjoy it. It's like peeling back the layers of an onion. The more layers you pull back, the more you find. Mm-hmm. And once you, you realise how strong the unconscious mind is mm-hmm. and how we do so many things unconsciously mm-hmm. and you realise that you can change your way of thinking, it's, it really is an amazing uh, thing to find out about, and it's it's, mm-hmm. it's wonderful what you can uh, you find out about yourself and other people, mm-hmm. and that makes it enjoyable no, too. No, I'm a bit of a fan. Um, even um, occasionally, I've gone online and got a sort of short um, YouTube. If I'm nervous about something, if I was yes. going to do um, a reading or something, and I would just sort of play that and. Absorb it and sort of tell myself I feel confident and and so on. And Positive information. Yeah, and I think all of that. Um, I think it all helps. It does. I think so too. Even, um, you know, people talk about things like self hypnosis, mm-hmm. and what a lot of people don't realise is it's not it's not something crazy like staring into a mirror and saying look into my eyes, and you're looking into your own eyes. Uh, people hypnotise themselves or, mm-hmm. uh, uh, every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, meditation can mm-hmm. be a form of it. Mm-hmm. And as you were saying, you feel so much calmer mm-hmm. when you've listened to uh, That's just like something. a wee kind of help. But I think um, going along mm. and talking about yourself, about the things that are problematic, and then that you seem to incorporate... You know, I was going for one thing, you know, for the yes. one thing, but you seem to incorporate the other issues into it. Into it, yes. So, I mean, I think that's great, that kind of personal... You know, you're, you're not going to be able to pick that up. Um, yes. Just on, online. So, no, it's very... Not, not, not absolutely. 
recommending. Um, what was it you were you did before? You know, you were saying about the career change. What did I do? Be- no, what <laughs> I was actually an interviewer before. <laughs> Okay. I was actually an, an interviewer. Yes, I was actually a media in- interviewer. I worked for a company. It was a huge company. It was a media company. And uh, the funny thing is, what they did was they monitored uh, the uh, television viewing figures for the BBC and ITV. <laughs> and I was one of the interviewers that had to go around all over the country, sort of interviewing people and talking to them about their television viewing habits and and then I'd I had to analyse the figures and whatnot and send them down to a company in London mm-hmm. and uh, and I think about it now it's I think they probably said to themselves hang on she she's a bit chatty she'll be good at this you know I've got no idea I did that for about five years and um, prior to that I'd worked in telecommunications but also as a negotiator I had to you know, you go into a company thinking you're going to be doing something technical or mm-hmm. uh, something in their marketing or something, which is what I was trained to do. And then you end up talking to people again. I was the company's uh, negotiator and had to negotiate things and s- settle disputes and make people feel happy about whatever problem it was that the company <laughs> had given them in the first instance. <laughs> so that's what I did. And, and it was also because I'd studied psychology beforehand. And mm-hmm. and so that's that seems to have been the story of my life, simply because I'd studied, uh, mm-hmm. I was interested in psych- psychology, and I, I think it makes you interested in mm-hmm. in people and, uh, and um, how they tick. Yeah, yeah I, I've never ever... Um I've never studied psychology. Mm. I, I did um, an arts degree, but I did mm. um, sociology. Sociology, and yes. I, I, I would have really have loved to do psychology, but the labs were at five o'clock. Right. And I, I had to go home for the children. Right. So I could never do anything that was on late. Mm-hmm. And that was the reason... I didn't. I didn't do it because mm-hmm. I would have preferred to to, have done to that. study psychology. Oh, it's a fascinating mm-hmm. field. I mean, I I specialised in industrial psychology, mm-hmm. which basically works looks at uh, people uh, people's behaviour in the workplace, mm-hmm. and um, that's very relevant to today uh, today's society with what's happening in industry, and mm-hmm. I absolutely absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I really did. So you must, um, well, I'm saying you must, maybe you don't, but I would imagine that, you know, if you've studied psychology and you've used that a lot, that it's always sort of with you and that when you're with people, you must be more aware of traits than other people. Well, I don't, oh, I don't know. I don't want to say that. You never know. There might be people out there who haven't studied it and they're better at it than I am. You know, I have to say. You know, it's, it's quite possible. And some people might do it intuitively. But I think it does It does help. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps in day-to-day life when you, you see a situation emerging and uh, you know how to deflect certain things. It helps... You see a lot of, there's a lot of aggression these days. Not that I come across it myself, you know, I'm quite a peaceful person. I think peace invites peace, mm-hmm. um, hopefully. 
but you see it in other people. You can see something happening and you know it's happening and you sort of like, you sort of want to calm things down. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, I'm a quietly assertive person, mm-hmm. but there are lots of things that can be done or said with a smile mm-hmm. or a certain, and probably as a psychologist, there are certain things that I would do mm-hmm. that can change a situation. You can see I'm moving my hand like this. They, they won't know what, the listeners won't know. And I'm doing this and I look as if I'm stirring, I'm, I'm sort of calming something down. Mm-hmm. And that is actually, it's a hypnotic thing and it's also psycho, psychological, yes, sort of a little trick. Mm-hmm. And if you're talking to people and uh, the atmosphere is getting away, but somebody's arguing, just by doing certain things, little hand movements, people relate to that because they, yeah. s- they think you're stroking something. Yeah, so it's little things that I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, people know about mimicking other people's movements and etc., etc. It makes them feel more at ease. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's so many little things. And then, of course, we go into that wonderful world of uh, hypnosis mm-hmm. as well. There's a wonderful, I don't know if it, um, how much time we have, but just there's a wonderful um, uh, hypnotherapist, uh, Milton uh, Erickson, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Ericksonian uh, hypnotherapy is a form of conversational hypnosis, right. and he used this a lot. Mm-hmm. It's not like the, hypno- the, hypnos- the hypnotist who said, you will do this or you will do that. Mm-hmm. He was conversational, and he actually... And got people to do what he wanted just through conversation, mm-hmm. but it's not a magical thing. It's it's it it's it has something to do with your body language, with your tone, with the rate that you speak at. Because the slower uh, the the pace that you speak at is actually it mimics your heartbeat. Right. It mimics the so if you think of your heart mm-hmm. beating. Say if you're very anxious, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's palpitating. If somebody speaks to you in a certain tone mm-hmm. and starts to speak slower and slower and slower and slower, you'll gradually find yourself calming down. And it's uh, babies, when you, if you have a baby and you hold a baby, mothers and babies know about this, they know that if they hold their baby right next to the chest, to their mm-hmm. chest, mm-hmm. the heartbeats start to synchronise and work with mm-hmm. each other. And it's very, it's a, a similar thing happens in hypnosis because you're you're basically slowing down the brain waves because your waves, um, the waves of your brain, I'm not going to get too technical, operate at a certain speed. You've got beta and beta and alpha and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So once you've slowed the waves down, you're getting there. And eventually, whoever it is that you're with... Sorry, Pat. No, yeah. no, it's brilliant. It's incredibly interesting. Uh, suddenly they will get to the point mm-hmm. where they're actually, you can put them into a hypnotic state. Mm-hmm. This is what Erickson, uh, Erickson mm-hmm. used to do. And I like mm-hmm. his uh, mm-hmm. the, the hypnotherapy that he does, it's quite chatty. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another uh, hypnotherapist called uh, Dave Ellman, I think his name was, and he, he was more authoritative. Mm-hmm. He would be like, right, stand there, do this, put your hands up. And he was very good mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was more. Uh, he, he used more authority. Just and different that approaches. Just different mm-hmm. approaches for different people. Mm-hmm. And that's where 
maybe a little bit of psychology comes into it. Mm-hmm. You try to work out what's going to work best for uh, for different people. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a while ago I had a client coming to see me and she said, you know what, I need somebody to tell me what to do. And I was like, all right, okay, that's fine. We'll use a different mm-hmm. approach. Right. She mm-hmm. told me what she needed. Yeah. But it was just through conversations. Mm-hmm. She just said, you know you know, I really need guidance, I need to be told what to do, I need somebody telling me all the mm-hmm. time, and I, right, okay. So I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, you, you never know who's going to come through your door or what, the, what they're going to bring. And and that's uh, one of the, 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 the interesting things about doing what I do. Mm-hmm. When the phone rings and it's somebody saying, can you help me? Mm-hmm. And that's why. I'm called what I am, mm-hmm. a helpful hypnosis, classically mm-hmm. helpful hypnosis. Mm-hmm. I just wanted it to help. Mm-hmm. I wanted to help people. So when the phone rings and somebody's there, they're saying, can you help me? And say, what What can I help you with? And then they start. You don't know what they're going to tell you. No. I mean, I remember, it must have been about four or five years ago, I, I had uh, somebody who, uh, had to, she was, somebody was a tongue chewer. She'd been chewing her tongue right. since. Uh, these are some of the strange uh, conditions, uh, you know, little known. Mm-hmm. And uh, she'd been chewing her tongue for about twenty years, and uh, she was in a terrible state because, of course, if you're chewing your tongue, it's it's not going to it's not going to hurt your tongue. So she kept on going to the doctor, you know, for to treat her mouth. Mm-hmm. But she kept this a secret from everybody because they 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 thought. Uh, they thought she was chewing chewing gum. Oh, for goodness sake. Yes. And it always happened at work. And uh, I can say this person was, a, you know, worked as a, a senior lawyer. So you can imagine if you're with clients and you're chewing, but they all, she, she covered it up for many years. The only reason she came to see me was because she was getting a lot of, she was getting mouth infections and it just had to stop. Mm-hmm. But something like that is a form. You recognise uh, the... The uh, the field that it falls into that for that's OCD. Mm-hmm. So if somebody comes to you with a phobia, you know that that's anxiety. Mm-hmm. If somebody comes to you because they're chewing their hair, mm-hmm. or chewing their cheeks, mm-hmm. or biting their nails, mm-hmm. that's well not nails or anxiety, mm-hmm. or chewing yeah chewing their hair or anything mm-hmm. that's OCD. Mm-hmm. But uh, phobias are anxiety, mm-hmm. and then uh, weight loss is a combination. Of um, it could be a combination of anxiety. Some people eat because they're anxious. Some people eat because they love food. Mm-hmm. Some people eat because they're bored. So, mm-hmm. so, so it could be more complex. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's the the one that we're all familiar with, the smoking, and uh, that's a very complex uh, field because even if you stop somebody or you you deal with their smoking addiction, and that falls into the range of addictions, of course. Mm-hmm. Take that addiction away, what do they have left? If you take the addiction, take the smoking away, mm-hmm. what? That's their crutch, and you've pulled yeah. it away from them. What do they have if they've got problems? Maybe, maybe um, they'll become addicted to something else. Maybe they, they might become addicted. Or what you can do is you can find out why do, they, do you smoke? They might have had a bereavement, yeah. and uh, they might be nervous. Mm-hmm. It could be something that's happening at work, and if you 
So they might have social anxiety, or it could be because all their friends smoke. So once you take away that anxiety, then you can deal with the smoking. Mm-hmm. But you have to find out, do you like a detective? Yeah, so every single person's different. Every single person's different. <laughs> and uh, that's the beauty of it. That's mm-hmm. that's what makes the world go round. Well, it's working for me, I think. <laughs> it <laughs> looks as if it to, is. We'll need to... Um, I'll let you know how how oh, it's good if I get this hip operation oh, because yes. that's part of the problem because I get no exercise really. Yes, so that's you're not, not um, you're not using up calories. I should try and I should try and go and swim or something there like that. There is something um, there is something as well. Now this is a very interesting thing, and it's debatable whether this works or not. It's speeding up the metabolism. Mm-hmm. And because everything with with uh, hypnotherapy, everything is in your head. I mean, mm-hmm. we're treating your head. So there is something you can be. You can actually uh, use um, suggestion to suggest to yourself that your metabolism is speeding up. Mm-hmm. And the way that works is, of course, your metabolism doesn't automatically speed up, but. Through suggestion, it's difficult to explain, you will think that your metabolism is speeding up, so you start behaving like a busy person. Because, uh, like, um, you know, you might not keep still, you might move a lot more. Mm -hmm. So, in effect, you end up uh, getting getting a faster metabolism anyway, because you think your your body has has that. So, it's all, it's just suggestion. That would be... That would be useful. <laughs> maybe that maybe that might be something we can look at. <laughs> so, um, d- d- you didn't mention mention anything when I was asking you what you had done before, but I know you've also done a bit of acting. Oh yes, I've I've done it. Oh gosh, I've done that for about how many years now? About oh, over ten. It, I, I can't remember. A bit of acting. A friend of mine was uh, uh, an extra and suggested and said to me, you might be interested in that sort of thing. You know, I was working at the same time and I said, oh, I don't know, I'd be terrified to go in front of the... I'd be absolutely terrified. Um, but anyway, I got myself an agent. I enrolled with an agency. Got sent out to do my first job, if you like. Am I allowed to mention what, I was, what it was? Yeah, of course. It was, it was River City, of course, you know, where you... Everybody seems to cut their teeth in River City. And uh, so I did a little bit of acting. It was just extra work, really, or what they call supporting, support artist or background background artists. Mm-hmm. And I did that for a long time. And then I uh, went on to do a little bit of acting on TV commercials and things like that. And, uh, and then I became, as time went on, it became, I was doing this all the time. I'd get called out to do weird and wonderful things in front of the cameras and I really enjoyed that that little bit of acting and then um, uh, at one point you know I I stopped for a while because I became you know I I was ill which I know you're going to you're going to ask me about that at some point and then the acting wasn't really acting it was more like uh, reality so when you were in the the programme about the Beatson. About the Beatson, that's right. Because um, what had happened was, uh, you know, most of my friends know about this. I'd, 
I was actually diagnosed with uh, with uh, breast cancer. Oh, quite a long time ago. It must have been in two thousand. Was it two thousand and eleven? There, there. So that's about wait, probably about nine, eight, nine years ago. And uh, that was fine. I was treated, and uh, but unfortunately, the cancer returned uh, a couple of years ago, and I was quite ill, very poorly. I wasn't my normal. I wasn't my normal self at all. I was very, very poorly. And on one of my visits to the Beatson, um, my husband said to me, "Look at that on the wall." But this time, I'm sitting in a wheelchair, and he said, "What?" He said, uh, "They're looking for people to take part in a in a TV documentary, a BBC documentary about people who have cancer." And I said, "He said that might take your mind off things." And I said, "That's fine." And he said, "You've done. You've been in front of cameras before." And I said, "Well, that's true, you know." But I said, "Why would they want me? Look at me. I'm in a wheelchair, and I'm really poorly." And so I did it, and um, I was on the documentary for the 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 Beatson the Beatson Hospital. I had a BBC, had a film crew following me every every everywhere I went, and uh, and it was uh, it was very good. I enjoyed it. You're looking great now. But I feel so. I feel, but oh, it's, you know, you know, it's funny. And I'll say this for anybody who has any sort of chronic illness or something uh, quite devastating. You, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Honestly, mm-hmm. I know we always say that it's like a cliche, mm-hmm. but um, if you are going through something, yeah, you suddenly you realise you have to say to yourself. In a few months, I'm sure I will feel better. You feel awful at the time, and I've just been feeling better and better. You know, it's uh, I mean, long may it continue. You know, because there's there's so much to do. Absolutely, <laughs> so, so many people to see, so many people to to to, to send help. To, to help <laughs> or to send to sleep. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, not bored bored to sleep. But no. you know, well, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I use that term sleep loosely because uh, hypnosis isn't really sleep. You look as if you're asleep, mm-hmm. unless you're like a client who came to see me who went into a trance. And uh, I always find this a bit unnerving. The people it doesn't happen very often, but people who actually are in a tra- trance, but their eyes are wide open. And they're staring at something, or they're blinking for an entire hour, and uh, they are asleep with their eyes wide open and staring at you. Um, that's quite bizarre. Or the people who don't waken up. Oh God! Yes. Um, yes. I do remember when I was a, a trainee, and this was awful because we had to, when you're training, um, most. Uh, People listening will know about this with a lot of, uh, particularly people who study medicine and things like that, you, or you know any of the therapies, uh, counselling, you have to get in a lot of practice hours, hundreds of hours. And I remember the person who wouldn't waken up. Um, and my tutor said to him, that's because you, were, you did it quite well. And I said, but this person <laughs> just would not waken up. I didn't oh know goodness. what to do. And, uh, and the reason they did it's their mind telling them that they're enjoying the experience so much uh-huh. that they're not coming back. So I was told to just leave them, just leave them, go and have a cup of tea and come back and just uh, speak to them and, you know, get them to come back. And uh, So did it eventually, how long did it take them? 
It must, I think it was about another 20 minutes. And that doesn't sound long, but in the life of a, of a therapist or a hypnotherapist, that is a long time. I mean, when you're saying to that person there, and now you're ready to come back out, and here we go, and you, no. And that person's just lying there, you know, out of it. So how often does that happen? It's quite rare, actually. It's um, it's quite you, I you'll often see that people don't want to they don't want to come back, mm-hmm. you know. And when they do come back, they're like, oh, you know, why did you bring back? Why you know, couldn't have stayed away for a few? I, felt, I, felt, I always feel so good afterwards. <laughs> yes, people feel really good, and they don't want to. You can see they don't want mm-hmm. to, but then there are people who definitely don't want to. It might be. Like maybe one out of a hundred. Maybe they've got a lot of rotten things going on or something. I think so. Uh, they've got a lot of things. Or maybe they're just enjoying the experience. Or maybe they're exhausted. Maybe, well, they are the, the, the exhausted people are the, the worst, actually. They come in straight from work. They, um, they lie down or they sit down and uh, within ten minutes they're fast asleep. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I have to bring them back out of their trance to make sure that they can actually hear what I'm saying. And then, of course, the, the ones that... Uh, there are one or two people who maybe snore very loudly and they're snoring so loud that they, you, you have to shout. They can't hear... Is that snoring? Not at all, no. You definitely were not. Very A very quiet person. The ideal subject. <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes I'm waking myself up snoring. You I find... hear me snore. Well, and actually, it's it's actually in a way it's uh, it's reassuring to hear people making little noises, and then you know that they're in a state of contentment. Mm-hmm. They're very content, mm-hmm. and they feel safe with you, and they feel warm, and they feel comforted. That's very that's a lovely state to be in when mm-hmm. people are like that. I quite yeah, enjoy that. It definitely is, and it's it's a great thing to be able to do. I mean, it must be so rewarding for you. It is rewarding. It's uh, it feels very. I think what feels rewarding as well is when people tell me what's wrong with them, mm-hmm. and uh, you break it all down. Uh, when somebody says to you, "I have this condition, this issue," and uh, you probably think, you you you'll think, um, "Oh, this is awful," and and uh, you've never heard of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say I have heard of it. <laughs> Yeah, to don't you worry. <laughs> Tell me, you know, um, if somebody comes into me and they says uh, I'm scared of, uh, uh, I'm, I've got a phobia, and what's the phobia? Well, they won't even say that. They'll say I'm scared that somebody's going to open a packet of crisps near me, and the sound—it's the sound of the crisps being opened. Yeah, that I'm scared of. And uh, yes, yeah, so that's, uh, and I'm like, well. I automatic. I just say automatically. I say to myself, "What is that? That's uh, is that anxiety or OCD, mm-hmm. or what is that?" And everything's grouped, mm-hmm. and um, it's uh, no, some things are challenging. People are scared of things. I mean, I, I'm I'm scared of mice. Mm-hmm. If there was a mouse in the kitchen, I mean, nothing would make me go in there. Oh, if, if there was a mouse, I'd be on top. I'd be on the table I'm as well. So scared of mice. I'm scared. Of I mean, mice. I would rather face a snake or a rock or anything. Well, you, know? you see, a lot of people um, they worry themselves unnecessarily because they don't realise that they're scared of certain things because it's a primeval response. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and that response is in all of us and it was to protect us. Mm-hmm. That response goes back thousands and thousands of years ago when you would you would come across a real live snake mm-hmm. and of course you have to be scared of it. Your children have to be scared of it because it's going to bite you, it's poisonous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's within all of us. Um, being scared of mice, I don't know, they're, oh, they're horrible little creatures. I'm, I'm sorry if anybody's uh, got a pet mouse here. I mean, I, I can touch them, that's fine. But it's a response to something that might carry disease. It's to protect us. Mm-hmm. And your unconscious mind protects you from harm anyway. So you'll, 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 re- you'll sort of recoil, you know, uh, unconsciously. But that's a protective mechanism, and it's perfectly normal. But some people don't think it's normal. But I have to say to them, that's quite normal. And maybe not if you're a crisp packet. Maybe if you're on a diet, yes, that's fine. You know, keep away from the crisps. <laughs> some, some weird, weird, and wonderful things. But everything can be addressed. Everything can be addressed. And I tell people that come to see me that. Nothing you tell me will be considered weird. Unusual, yes. Mm-hmm. Quite rare, yes, but nothing nothing is weird. Mm-hmm. I've still I've I've yet to come across something that I think of as totally weird. Mm-hmm. So what happened. is the um best way for people to get in touch with you? Um, what they would do is they they'd just give me a call or drop me uh an email. They're quite. I get a lot of um, clients getting in touch because I'm in various. I've got listings on uh, various uh, uh, bodies like the hypnotherapy directory right. because we all have to comply. And uh, if if you are looking for a hypnotherapist, particularly myself, you'd go onto one of these directories because we've all been vetted right. and we're qualified. And to to actually get onto one of these, so you'd go onto the hypnotherapy directory or you would Google me, or you would just phone me direct on my number, and then you'd make an appointment to come in for an initial consultation, and that's the one that counts as far as I'm concerned. That consultation's free of charge, and at that consultation, you tell me, what brought you here today? What's wrong? What's the problem? Are you comfortable with me? Is it easy for you to get here? Are you committed to what we're actually going to be doing? Mm-hmm. And I'd also find out from uh, the potential client, uh, you know, that other bits of information mm-hmm. that, that uh, would be helpful well, to that's me. A, that's a very good approach because mm-hmm. that lets people kind of suss everything out. Yes. And feel, as you say, feel that they're comfortable. They have and to. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if you're coming along... you paying, you know, 50 or 60 quid or something. Exactly. They could then go away and say, no, I haven't paid that, I think. Exactly. It's not for me. It's not but for that, me. that gives people a great opportunity to Well, that's right. I mean, if, yes, because if somebody sits themselves down in front of me and I can see that they're... It doesn't happen very often, though. And I can see that they're not, they're not keen to, to go ahead or there's something holding them back. You know, I can actually say to myself, listen, you know, you might not be ready for this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I want my my job to be easier as well, you mm-hmm. know, I, I mm-hmm. and... Um, and you want it to be a success. And I want it to be a success. One thing that I don't do, I only do it with children, 
is if somebody phones me up and says, uh, oh, my husband wants to talk, stop smoking or uh, wants to do this and that, uh, can you help? I usually say, well, why are they not phoning yeah, me up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And invariably, I usually say, until they've got in touch with me, I'm not... Mm-hmm. Um, I can't see them because if they're not getting in touch with me, they don't want to, and they're not going to be. They're not going to be they're receptive. Not, they're, they're forced to come along. They've been forced to come. Going to be. It's not going to. <laughs> it's approach. not going to work. <laughs> it's not yeah. the best approach. Now, if they're children, of course, and I'm talking about uh, sixteen and under, mm-hmm. uh, obviously their parent or guardian has to get in touch with me, mm-hmm. and usually the child. Uh, you know, wants wants to be helped. You know, and I'm talking about uh, children between the age of ten and sixteen, and young adults, twenty-one mm-hmm. and under, between sixteen and twenty-one. That's it's usually the parents <coughs> that gets in touch um, for various reasons, and then of course the parent is that's that's a different kettle of fish altogether. Maybe sometimes we need to see both of them. Always, I always see both of them. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, cheap both of them are opposite. That has happened. That mm-hmm. has happened. I've had, I've had children coming to see me with uh, uh, anxiety or social anxiety or just anxiety, and it's usually mm-hmm. the parent who's fueling this or not doing much to help. You might have children who are coming to see you who have maybe their child is um, a child actor. Mm-hmm. or a, a sports person and the child is being pushed to fulfil the parents' ambitions yeah. and uh, then they're developing stress and anxiety mm-hmm. disorder because of it. So therefore I'd have to really speak to the parent mm-hmm. as well as the child yeah. to find out what's going on. And the, the you, But when it comes to you know, that sort of thing, the, the, the parents are, are you know, they're, they're not happy, they're because they're convinced that their child is a genius or their child is gifted or their child is uh, going to be sportsman or sportswoman of the year and uh, what can you do about it? You know, And often the child has gone along with that <coughs> mm-hmm. and the child has convinced themselves that that's what they want to do whereas they're not succeeding because they're unconsciously Something's telling them that they don't want to. This isn't the life they want. And it's a, it's a very, very competitive. Very competitive. Mm-hmm. It's uh, for uh, in these. Uh, it's very because if you've got a child, for example, who who's um, who's a very good gymnast, mm-hmm. very, very good. That's great. Mm-hmm. But there are lots of children who are very, very good. <coughs> yeah. And it's very competitive, and it's very draining, and uh, other things come into play. You'll you'll maybe see a child who's uh, not got much time mm-hmm. to himself or herself, isn't eating properly, yeah. um, etc. And there are lots, it's very complicated. Mm-hmm. Very Remember complicated. my John um, was young, you know, when he was at school, he was good at so many things. He was, um, he was fantastic at mm. gymnastics. Mm-hmm. He's, um, PE teacher got in touch with me to mm-hmm. say, could I get him to go to a, a club mm-hmm. because he, he was um, so good at, at gy- gymnastics. Mm-hmm. So we did that. And then he, he went along and kind of went through each stage. And he was the only boy, it was all girls. Mm-hmm. But he enjoyed it and it went every week and went through every stage. Mm-hmm. And then he came home 
one night and they said, I'm not going back. I said, all right. They said, no. He said, they want me to go into a show. <laughs> he didn't want to do that. <laughs> then the same thing happened. He started doing weightlifting uh-huh. and um, he went... Um, it was up to Perth. He'd only been doing it for a few weeks mm-hmm. and he came home with this enormous cup, the <laughs> Scotland's most promising newcomer. Oh! <laughs> and then he said, um, <clears throat> I have to go to London mm-hmm. to compete mm-hmm. in this thing. Mm-hmm. And he needed all sorts of things. I, I was a lone parent. I, I had no money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, how am I going to get you all that stuff and everything? And it was a grant you could apply for. And somebody told me about it. <coughs> Excuse me, I've got, I've got the cold. Mm-hmm. And um, so I applied for all the grant and everything, mm-hmm. and we got it. And then John said, um, I don't want to get to this competition. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, they had all the stuff and the paraphernalia, mm-hmm. but he didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, I was quite a young, a young mum, you know, mm-hmm. but maybe... Um, uh, it didn't occur to me if he just said he didn't want to do it. <laughs> I just thought, well, he doesn't want to do it. It didn't kind of occur to me to maybe I should have been, um, maybe I should have been encouraging him mm-hmm. more, or I don't know, try to build up his confidence or say, you be, you could be a big success at this. But anyway, it didn't occur to me. Just said he didn't want to go, and I thought, okay, <laughs> you don't want to go. Well, but, the thing is, uh, you find that with the, with the kids as well, they. They sometimes feel that they try. They love their parents, and they're trying to please them as well. That's another. That's when things <clears throat> yeah. that 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 can happen, and that that's when, when I, things get, become complicated. Yeah. When I, um, I I lectured for a while mm-hmm. at Glasgow Caledonian and the Royal Scottish Academy, mm-hmm. and I used to get quite a lot of students, and they didn't want to be there. They didn't want to they be just there. did yeah, not. Yeah. You know, they had been, that was what they thought they were meant to be mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that they weren't clever enough, mm-hmm. they just, they just, didn't, they want ju- to be just there. didn't enjoy it or yes. want to be um, there at all. Not, you know, maybe maybe if they'd had a, you know, quite a lot of them have these gap years. Yes. Don't, and I think it's yes. for some people that's a good idea. That's that them yes. kind of think about yes. what they want to do. Yes. It's yeah. not an easy thing at all. So, so we could chat about this all day, Marie. We could actually. Is there anything um, that you're sort of planning at the moment, or anything new you've got an idea about that you're thinking of doing? Well, what I'm doing at the at the moment is I'm looking into the field of placebos. Right. I'm looking into the placebos, field of placebos. <coughs> And uh, placebo therapy, I'm very interested in that. And uh, I watched a very, I've been looking at it over the past year, and I watched a very interesting program about placebos. And uh, they were using placebo pills. And what it is, is they tell the patient, it was two doctors, it was a doctor that was doing it. And placebo therapy has been around for for donkey, for decades now, probably hundreds of years. And... um, they tell the patient that they're going to give them a pill and there's nothing in it, just sugar. And they give them a, a bottle of these pills and they tell them that that's going to help with your backache. And the, the patient knows that there's nothing in the pills, but miraculously they they come back saying, yeah, my backache it feels a lot better now, doctor. 
and te- they've carried out numerous tests and uh, and uh, uh, just to test out this theory. They've had teams of people, they've had focus groups, they've had, they've had what have you, and they've given half the group the placebo pills and half the group uh, pills that actually um, actually work, have proper medication in them, and amazingly, about uh, I think the figure is probably 33% or 40% of them come back saying I'm cured and they've been taking nothing but sugar. And that's what's happening is your mind starts to cure your body. It's again, so I've thought about this and I've thought, how can I uh, make this work with hypnosis? So I've actually um, been developing a process where people come to me uh, for placebo uh, therapy which is very useful and it's using the just uh, uh, I tell them that I'm going to give you some sugar or I'm going to give you a sugar pill I tell them that however your mind will be convinced that it's real and so therefore they're not taking any harmful ingredients whatsoever but what's happening is their mind has convinced them that they're taking something that's actually helping the body um, so I'm working on that uh, that process at the moment, mm-hmm. because and one of the the reason why I decided to do this is because I've I've got so many people coming in to see me who say they're suffering suffering from depression or they can't sleep or they've got pain, and they're going to see their GPs. I mean, nothing wrong with this. The you know the NHS is fantastic, but they're being prescribed um, um, pills for pain or uh, even paracetamol is pretty addictive. And then they're they're becoming addictive yeah, yeah, yeah. to these pills, or there are side effects, yeah. and um, it's not great. And they come then they come to me saying I'm addicted to these pills that my doctor gave me. How can I get off them? So I'm thinking, well, let's not put you on the pills in the first instance. Let's mm-hmm. give you something that's totally harmless, mm-hmm. and that's the placebo, see and see how that yeah. works. So that's something that I've been looking into. Well. I'll hear how you get on with that. I, that you sounds will. like a. <laughs> that, that sounds like. I'll probably have the pharmaceutical industry, but the multi of. Multi million firms, they'll not be very happy, you know, because it could save the, the NHS a, a lot of money, but then, of course, it will save the doctors a lot of time as well, which is what they want. They want to get yeah. cut down on their waiting list. But all these things are very, very worthwhile trying out. It, it they is. definitely are. Yes, and the, you know, you, anything that uh, doesn't cause harm to the body, you know, what's the word I'm looking for, which has just slipped me, it's not mindfulness, or it uh, could be, mindfulness is a very, it's a fantastic thing, uh, use the mind to heal the body. Well, that sounds a good note to finish on. Thank you. So, thanks very much. <laughs> You're very welcome. So, so interesting, and I'm glad you're keeping so well. Oh, I am. And looking so well, that's great. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Marie. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Marie. Thanks, Pat. I never tire of hearing about the power of the mind over the body, over matter, I suppose you'd call it. Uh, this ends another episode of Jim and Pat's Glasgow West End Chat. Catch you the next time. Bye for now.